0: so today we're going to be in first corinthians chapter four and you know one of the goals i think that like for me i'm kind of processing everything is my prayer is that one day when you stand before jesus christ that you would receive a full reward uh second john chapter one verse eight it talks about that you know look to yourselves you know that you would receive a full reward and, you know, in Revelation chapter 22 in verse 12, it says uh, that Jesus is coming and his reward is with him, you know, to give to us uh, based on our on our works and our faithfulness. And so, you know, we really got to get it together. We really have to, um, man, just uh, have this absolute understanding of what we're going to study today. So that on that day, uh, we, we're going to call it the Bema Seat Judgment. That's what they call it, the Bema Seat Judgment, um, that you would receive a full reward. And and, and, I, and part of the reason is because when you get that reward, he will be glorified. And you guys ever heard that? You know, the, the crowns that you get, you're actually going to take them and cast them at Jesus' feet. You know, so it's important for us that we understand our passage for today and so, in verse 1, we're going to see the servants. And so, we're going to talk about things that we need to consider. We need to consider others as servants, ourselves as servants. In, in verse 2, we'll see the servant's requirement. Not just the consideration, but now the expectation. And then, in the rest of the verses uh, 3 through 5, we'll see the servant's judgment. And there's going to be a revelation. Did you guys know that one day... All the hidden things of darkness will be revealed. Did you know that everything inside of your heart will be exposed to the scrutiny of the eyes of Jesus Christ? And that's why, you know, not to freak you out, not to scare you, but man, we got to be real. You know, you know, a lot of times we see in the church, unfortunately, you know, um, you know, generally speaking, thank God, you know, for the remnant, but there are some people that are doing crazy things the crazy things that they're looking at on their phones and their computers or the gals they're flirting with at work or just the things that are going on and and so my prayer is that we would understand one day all the hidden things of darkness will be revealed there's this consideration today there's this expectation and then there's a revelation so look at verse 1 where paul writes he says let a man so consider us as servants of christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And so, some of you here, you've probably been walking with the Lord for a long time, and you know a little bit about 1 Corinthians, don't you? You know that up to this point, you know, Paul has been writing to the church. They're very carnal. Uh, The Corinthian church, they were very gifted, but they were very carnal. And so, one of the problems that he has, and really he deals with in chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, in in a nutshell, the summary is is that there is division in the church because the Corinthians were lining up on, behind different guys. I'm of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Peter, or Cephas, you know? And uh, Paul's dealing with that. He's dealing with their carnality. And so, you know, these guys, they're, they're good guys, right? Paul, pretty awesome dude. Apollos, Cephas, think about that. That's the guy that walked on water for a couple of seconds. I mean, these are pretty cool guys, right? And so he's dealing with that issue, So, you know, he comes now uh, to chapter 4, and so so he's like, well, well, how do you consider him? What what do we consider Paul? And that's what he answers right there in verse 1. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. I mean, who is Billy Graham? He's a servant. Who is Chuck Smith? He's a servant. Who is Moses? Who's a servant? When we look at these guys, we don't, they're not celebrities. We don't look at them and put them on some type of pedestal. No, we have to consider them as servants of God. And in the context, that's what he's talking about. He's dealing with leaders. But you guys know uh, the application is for all of us. The consideration as far as who we really are. Who am I? What am I? At the end of the day, I thank God that I'm a child of God. But that's, you know, my, my, my biology, so to speak. What's my responsibility? My responsibility is that I'm a servant of God. That's who he is. That's who we are. That's who we should consider ourselves to be. Now, the Greek word here, uh, servant, is the Greek word huperides. And it literally means an under rower. And so have you guys ever seen those ships and they got the, the, this, you know, the guys down and they're rowing together in unison? And so that's an important concept to understand, because you know, a lot of times we'll put guys on pedestals and believe you me, there is a structure in the church and we respect our leaders and we honor them. And there's an aspect of submission. We don't want to misunderstand that. But at the end of the day, uh, we don't exalt men. We can't exalt men. We're all just part of this whole team, you know. We're all just under rowers, and there's Paul, and he's one of the under rowers as well. He's one of the the hooperades. You're one of the hooparades. We're servants of God. You know, some people will say, "Well, Paul, you know, he's he's the captain, right? He's a shot caller, uh, the pastor. He he's the captain, right? He's a shot caller, or Peter, or Apollo, or whoever it might be." And he says, no, be really careful. This is Jesus' church. He's a shot caller. He's the captain. And we are all hooper 80s. We are all servants of God. And that's what he's saying right here. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. The other day I was uh, calling around uh, uh, just looking for a spare tire for my son. Because his spare tire went bad, and I didn't want to buy a new one, right? So I was calling around, looking to see if anybody had a used spare tire, right? Because it's just the spare tire, right? And so uh, it's kind of funny. You're, I'm on the phone, and uh, the guy is uh, talking to me. He's all, hey, you know, it doesn't, didn't take long. You know, hey, I need a tire. This is the size. And he's all, okay, boss, hold on just a second. I'll get right back to you. And uh, when he called me boss, I uh, was, hey, it's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so anyways, we're talking, okay, boss, I'll, I'll call you back, all right, and stuff, and I'm like, hey, this, I like this shop right here, and so, so, you know, the, the day goes on, and I end up in Office Depot, we're getting some things printed for the church and stuff, and, and, you know, I'm dealing with the individual behind the counter right there, and you know what they call me? Hey, boss, I'll be right back, and all of a sudden, have you guys noticed that, have you guys noticed that lately, people, especially us older guys? Huh? <laughs> Which is probably an okay thing. It's probably an okay thing. It may be in one sense it's an aspect of respecting us, right? But they call us boss. And I don't know, man. I was just thinking, but at the end of the day, I'm not. None of us are the boss. None of us here are shot callers. None of us here, you know, have, have that say as far as what you're to do with your life. We are, we are servants. We are hooperatees. We are not the boss. When I wake up in the morning, you know what I do? I get my cup of coffee, and I go into my time with the Lord. And I say, okay, uh, King Jesus, what do you have for me today? You see, because not only are we not the boss, we're the servants. We're also not the owners. We're stewards. That's what he says right there. Look at verse 1. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ. He's the one that calls the shots, right? And stewards of the mysteries of God. And so it's important, I guess, you know, one day, like I said, man, when you stand before Jesus Christ, you don't want to be ashamed. You don't want to be ashamed because you didn't understand some of the basic fundamentals, that, that they, but they go deep into our into our heart. That, that, that I'm not the one that, that's supposed to be leading my life. I'm supposed to be a servant. I'm not the boss, right? And, and I need to know that. And I also need to know that I am, not, I am not. I am not the owner. That's not my house. That's not my car. These aren't my hands. This is not my lips. Everything belongs to him. Now, here Paul talks about the fact that he's a, he's a steward. And you guys know the Greek word, what? And it's a, it's a house manager. The slaves in those days or servants in those days would actually be there running the household. Do you guys remember the story of Joseph? That's what he was. He was the, the, the steward. He was the property manager, so to speak. And, uh, and Paul here had a certain stewardship of the mysteries of God. The mysteries of God. Now, some people say, well, the mysteries of God, that's in reference to the seven mysteries in the New Testament. And, you know, there might be some merit to that view. But at the end of the day, what we find is that he was a steward, uh, being a steward of the mysteries of God means that he was just a steward of the word of God. Not the seven mysteries, but the 66 books of the Bible, the the two testaments, the old and the new, that, that that was his calling in life that he was a steward of the mysteries of God. And so, uh, you know, he did a great job at that. And, and so my, my question, you know, for me and for you is, is, what's your stewardship? Now, in one sense, yeah, we're all stewards of the word of God, right? And so prayerfully, you're giving that out and you're distributing it. But, but, you know, God has given us all different gifts and different places in the body and different talents that we were born with, gifts that we were born again with. And and a lot of times, you know, people are just, they're kind of putting in cruise control and they're just kind of taking, you know, the safe route when God wants you to take a leap of faith. I don't know, you know, I don't know what's going on inside your heart, but man, it's important for us to to take that step of faith, you know, because it's then when the river opens, man, whether, whether it's the Jews coming out of the, you know, Egypt, maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. You know, I don't know. Usually midweek services, about 97% are saved. So there's probably about three of you here that don't know the Lord. I'm I'm looking at a couple of you. I'm thinking, I bet it's that guy right there. (laughs) Just joking. You know, but I will say this, though, that we can't, you know, I can't assume that all of you are Christians. I mean, you know, if you're not, I, I pray that today you would give your life to Christ. This is not a religion. It's a relationship. God knit you together in your mother's womb for him, for that relationship. And then there's this mission in life. There's this purpose in life. Why were you made? Why were you made? You should know the answer to that. Why do I exist? Number one, to glorify God, right? Glorify God. Number two, to edify the church, to edify the church. And then number three, to evangelize the world. Now, some catechisms will say, well, the reason you were made is, number one, to glorify God. And then, number two, to enjoy him. And I'll tell you what, the best way you can enjoy God is by doing what you were made to do. What's your stewardship? Right here, Paul says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And so the the first point is just you got to know like who you are and who they are. It can't be putting men up on a pedestal. It can't be lining up on, you know, other guys or building on their foundation. As a matter of fact, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, Paul said for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ these guys were building on other guys no it doesn't work that way so there first there has to be a clear understanding of the consideration but as as uh, as servants as huperades as oikonomos what is god looking for and we see that next in verse two moreover it is required in stewards that one be found faithful The Greek word translated required here is actually a word that's found 119 times in the New Testament, and 105 of those times is translated to seek, to seek. In other words, this is what God is seeking. This is what God is looking for. Again, there in verse 2, moreover it is required, this is what God is looking for in stewards, that one be found, see there's that word found, Faithful, and that's that's the thing that we have to come away with, right? And we we take a a look at at the ministry, we take a look at our life. I know for most churches nowadays, there's three criteria: is it a big body? Is it a big building? Is it a big budget? Oh, then you know I'm sure they're 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 doing good, right? But you guys know that's not true. There are huge churches out there. There's one church of forty thousand people that is absolutely unfaithful, completely unfaithful to God. You know, God's not looking for us to be fabulous or famous or fantastic. God is looking for us to be faithful. Faithful as pastors, faithful as parents, faithful as a spouse. I mean, we think about that whole context of, you know, you think of a husband and a wife, or have they been faithful? Yeah, 20 years, yeah, but it's not done yet. So this is what god is looking for we have to search our hearts and that and on that day when we stand before christ That that's the thing that that we need to really want to try to settle now like When I stand before jesus, I know this is what he's going to be looking for that was I Faithful to do the right things For the right reason And if you can live your life that way, you're going to be in great shape you know, I don't know how you guys are. Do you, any of you guys like watching the Olympics when they come out? And uh, sometimes you watch, uh, whether it's gymnastics um, or maybe the, um, the figure skating. My wife likes the figure skating. And, uh, and sometimes I'll watch the figure skating and I'll think, man, that was, they were good. You know, that was a really good dance. I like the music and stuff. And the scores weren't all that great. And I'll be like, what's up? Somebody's cheating or whatever, you know. <laughs> But, but here's the thing, is that, is that the judges are looking for specific things, huh? They're looking for specific things. I'm not, I don't really know, I'm not an expert in those fields, but this is what the judge is looking for. You know, sometimes we beat ourselves up, and I, my heart goes out to you, if you have a prodigal son here tonight, or a prodigal daughter and uh and i we just feel or you might feel like you're just a, a complete failure as a parent and you know because being a parent is one of the most difficult uh things to do in the whole world man i remember uh, there was this one uh, uh survey they asked uh, these, these parents uh, i guess it was moms in particular if they had it to do all over again would they have the same uh, amount of children And, uh, most of them said yes. They just said they'd have different ones. I think that's, uh, (laughs) and, um, no, you know, but, but they, you know, we raise them in the ways of the Lord, man. We pray with them. We try to be a good example to them. Uh, we love on them. We're asking God for wisdom every step of the way, but you guys know that they have to make a choice, huh? Every single child does. And so, you know, you as a parent, I know it doesn't end. I mean, it just carries on, but you just be faithful. You keep loving them. You keep praying for them. You keep asking God for wisdom, but it's up to them to make that choice, right? For us, whatever the, the stewardship is, and I think that it's found first at home and then in ministry, you have certain titles that you're given like husband or dad or mom or, or whatever the, the the titles are, then you have to ask God for, uh, uh, you know, just wisdom in, in, in fulfilling those titles, right? And so God wants us to be faithful. What, what exactly does that mean? I mean, there's a lot we can say about being faithful and words like loyal or dependable or reliable are, are important words, right? I was talking to my daughter about this earlier today when we were having lunch together and she used the word consistency, you know. Do you guys know people? Are there people in your life You're like, if I give them this uh, uh, responsibility or if I ask them to do this, are there certain people in your life where you know they'll do it? You can count on them, right? But then there are other people, you're like, I don't know. (laughs) If I ask them to do it, it's kind of like hit and miss whether or not this is really going to happen or not, right? And so um, for us, we know we've all experienced that. Whether or not it comes naturally, or, or something that you have to take up your cross to make happen supernaturally. We want to come to that place where we are faithful, where we are reliable to God. That, you know, whatever it is that he asks us to do, we are obedient to him. That's part of the word here in the Greek language as well. The emphasis in the Greek language is more upon the requirement to be obedient. Because the Greek word here, it speaks of the execution of the commands or the discharge of official duties. And so we don't just consider his commands. We don't just ponder his precepts. We don't just sit down and study the Bible. No, we learn it to live it. We owe him his due, right? To be doers of the word. You know, to be faithful with God's property means that if he says paint the house, we paint the house. If he says preach the word, we preach the word. If he says pray with your wife, then what are you waiting for? If he says, play with the kids, that means spend time with them, pour into them. I mean, whatever it is, it comes back to that whole concept of understanding we're not the boss. We're servants. And we're not the owners. We're stewards. He owns us. He owns every beat of our heart. And when, when we get to that place, we understand that consideration of who we are then it helps with the expectation that is just that god is looking what's required in us is that we be found faithful you know uh, the other day i was at in and out um, and i go there every tuesday so i love tuesdays man so i was there and i had a a church invite you know and uh, i just have them in my in my pocket just in case and sometimes i you know you guys should always have a little card or something you can invite people to church i think it's a great thing to do even if you're a shy person like me you know it's just an icebreaker here i just want to give you a little invite to you to church if you ever you know want to go and so i went up to this uh, older lady and i sensed the holy spirit was asking me to invite her to church service and she um she just said no and, I, and I'm like, oh, are you an atheist? And uh, I don't know. I probably shouldn't have said that, huh? But it just came out, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and and she said no. And and she just, like, said no in a way, like, get away from me, right? And so I put my, this, this that, that doesn't usually happen. Usually even mean people will say, yeah, okay, thank you, you know, or whatever, you know, but this lady she said no no like go away right and so anyways uh, i was walking away from there and uh i was just thinking lord that was weird but you know let me ask you guys a question if i did it for for the right reason even though i was a failure in one sense do you think that maybe there'll be a reward for that because you're being faithful See, the, the way that we, we, sometimes the way that we look at things is, is it, is it successful? Is it, you know, flamboyant? Is it famous? Is it fabulous? And God just says, no, you know, you just need to be faithful. I, I've learned this over, over my life as a Christian. I, I, I didn't have any discipline instilled in me whatsoever growing up. You know, I've told you guys before, I, I didn't really have any parental guidance. And, uh, and so, you know, I lacked it and uh and but then when i became a christian god showed me what it means to be a disciple that means every single day disciple did you ever notice the connection between disciple and disciplined disciple and disciplined and so every day you know for whatever reason the lord just put it in my life you know you have to wake up and you have to go and spend time alone with god Every single day of your life. Now, maybe you might think that's legalistic. Maybe it's not something that, you know, God will lead you to do. I don't know for sure. But to me, I think of Psalm 1, and now that guy is in the Word day and night. So I don't know. Like, you know, you just do it every day. It's not hidden and miss. It's not, well, if it's convenient. It's not if it works out of my schedule. Manny, I work at 3 in the morning. I used to work at 3 in the morning for years before I was a pastor. And so it didn't matter whatever time I would have to go to work. I'd factor in the time it took me to get ready. And then this is God's time. Every day of my life. And every year, you know, I I would start in the new, whatever, the the Bible reading program and read the Bible through every year. Every year. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that that I'm faithful because I know who I am apart from Christ. I'm not. But what did Jesus have tattooed on his thigh? You guys remember Revelation 19? Faithful and true. And Jesus lives in you. He'll help you to be faithful. You know, a lot of times people, they struggle with reading the Bible. They struggle with praying. And, and, and all I'm saying is that it may, it may not be all, you know, f- you know whatever, you, you know, get the, the tingles and stuff, but you discipline yourself and you're like, hey, I I need to wake up, I need to read my Bible, I need to pray, any of you here do your devotions at night, nighttime, it works better for you, okay, so some, some people are nocturnal, it works better for them, or just at night, they're more night people, my daughter's don't tell her I told you this. Oh, never mind. I won't say anything. Okay. Um <laughs> this is say she's not a morning person. And sometimes the young people are not a morning person. That's okay. God's flexible. But somewhere in your schedule, you're reading the Bible, you're praying. How about married couples? If I could just say the same thing to married couples. Like to get a husband to pray with his wife. You know, why is that such a challenge? All you have to do is just start. Okay, sweetheart you know, what's a good time for you, okay, for us, you know, for me and my wife, we have a certain time, and I'm not saying that we've hit the mark every time, but you just keep plugging away, you just keep plugging away, you keep reading your Bible, you keep praying, you keep getting up after falling, and trying again, so you don't, you know, sin against God, you keep, you, and, and as you're, and, you know, you're here in church, I can't tell you how, how appreciative a pastor is for, you know, people who show up. You know, the sound guy's there, you know, ready to do the sound, and the ushers are there. You know, the ushers are, are hushering, and there's, uh, you know, everybody doing their children's ministry. You know, faithfulness. How would you feel if your car only started, like, one out of five times? Would that be faithful? How about if your refrigerator worked for one out of three days? I think you'd probably be in trouble, huh? You know, sometimes I think that we don't realize the importance of men every single time showing up, hearts prepared, ready to serve the Lord, whatever the calling is, whatever the gifts are. This is what Jesus is looking for. You know, right here, the, the consideration, verse one, let a man so consider us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. That's the consideration. That's who we are. We're we're servants and stewards. And then the expectation is, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But in verse 3, we have now the revelation. It says, but with me, Paul says, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time, until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels or the motives of the heart, then each one's praise will come from God. Now, in the Greek language, the, the, the word translated judge, it can be uh, for condemnation or equally for commendation. And so right here, when, when Paul is talking about this whole aspect of judgment, he's talking about how one day we will give an account to God. Now, I was thinking about um, Matthew uh, 25. Let's turn there real quick, if you would. Matthew 25, in verse 14, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. So after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And so he had received five talents, came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. And look at the Lord's words in verse 21. Verse 21. This is what we're shooting for. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And so this guy, you know, Jesus, this is, this is real stuff. You know, he gave him five, he gave him two, he gave him one. And he leaves. And then one day, there they are. Imagine the day. You're standing before Jesus Christ, the one who was nailed to a cross for you. He's sitting on the bema seat. You know why they call it the bema right? Because Jesus said, this is bema seat. That's how they, why they call it the bema right? <laughs> and, and, you know, think about that, though. You know, as you're doing these things, you're doing it unto him, right? And there's Jesus. And you you were faithful. You had this relationship with God. You heard His voice. He told you what to do. You did it. You did the right thing and you had the power to do it because you were anointed with the Holy Spirit. You were a man or woman of prayer and He, and he was blessed. I mean, this life is, it, it's, a, it's a life that, w- this is what we're shooting for. It's not me doing my thing. This is not my time. It, my whole life belongs to Him. You know, you can talk to anybody involved in ministry and, you know, the, the heavier you, you get involved, the more God requires of you. The measure of the ministry is sacrifice, you know, but but as God calls you, you know, you, you're doing it, you're working, you know, you're praying, and then you're thinking about how that one day you stand before him and there's Jesus and he says these words to you. And I can't think of any other words that I would want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful. There's that word over a few things. And then here it is. I will make you ruler over many things. Now, what we find in the scriptures is that God will reward us. When we do good work, he'll reward us with more work. It's always the principle we find in scripture. And I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but you guys, during the Millennial Kingdom, we're actually going to be given responsibilities. He says we're going to see ten cities, five cities, one city. Somehow we're going to be ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. We're going to be hopefully serving the people in that way, based on our faithfulness now. And that will bring us joy. So this is what we're talking about right here. And so we read in verse 22, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. And notice the same commendation, the same words. His Lord said to him in verse 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And so you may not be able to necessarily give a number, but you guys know that you all have gifts and talents, right? Isn't it interesting how some had five and then they got five more? And you know what that really speaks about? It speaks about how you were faithful with every gift that God gave you. I mean, it's just that, boom, you're, 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 you're developing, you're discovering your gift, you're developing it, and you're deploying it. And we see that with the five. We see that with the two. And then we see in verse 24, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. There it is. That's why we're paralyzed to take a step of faith. I was afraid, he says, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have, <laughs> you know, what is yours? What is yours? But his lord answered and said to him, "You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming out would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents, for to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance, but from him who does not have even what he has" Will be taken away and then there's this heavy warning cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and so what we find right here at the end of the day is that god requires for us to be faithful and one day he says moreover it is required god's looking for us to be faithful right And so one day, everything will be revealed. And we'll talk about that when we get back to 1 Corinthians. But in Luke 19, there's a parallel uh, parable. This one's the parable of the talents. In Luke 19, you have the parable of the minas or the minas. And in Luke, they all get one. So here, there's variable amounts. In Luke 19, they all get one. And kind of the way that I see that, and I don't want to read too much into it, But more than likely, what do we all have one of? Think about it. We all have one life. Soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Right? And you invest your life into the kingdom of God. You know, just think how different our family would be, our community, our society, if everyone uh, got faithful in the flock. What does the Bible say? Confidence in an unfaithful man is like what? It's like a toothache. It's like a bone break, right? (laughs) I mean, not a good thing. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 12 and verse 1, help Lord for the godly man ceases for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. It can be challenging for us to say, Lord, from this point forward, I just want to be faithful, but I want to encourage you to know that God is faithful and he lives inside of you. And so Paul, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he gives us the the judgment, he gives us the the revelation. Paul says here in verse 3, it's a small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. Now it's interesting, he doesn't say it was nothing or, or no thing, he just says it's a small thing. And one of the things that we do need to avoid are extremes in this. There are some people who say, I don't care what anybody says about me. You know, I mean, their favorite verse in the Bible is, God will judge you, you whitewash wall. You know, that's what they like to say. <laughs> who are you to judge me, right? And here's what I say. You know, when people will, sometimes they'll criticize, and that's okay. What do you do when someone criticizes you or says, hey, what's up with that or whatever? You, you take it and you sift through it. Is there any truth to that? Paul here says it's a small thing to be judged by you. Now, he's not saying it's nothing, it's a small thing, right? It pales in comparison to what Jesus would say, right? But there's some aspect that we need to consider. You know, we're going to see in 1 Corinthians, if you guys continue back in chapter 5 and verse 12, that Christians are to judge other Christians. We just have to make sure that we remove the beam from our own eye. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 1, and then when we do judge, we've got to do it righteously or biblically, Jesus said in John seven verse twenty four And so if we're ever called to the carpet, we, we can't just immediately or automatically ignore it or get defensive. We do have to have to examine it, sift through it, and ask ourselves honestly if there's any truth to it. But on the other end of the spectrum is our obsession of what others think about us. You know what will they say you know if I do this, you know? And uh, believe it or not, you know, recently I went to uh, Columbia with with the Whosoever's, and I really appreciate the ministry of Ryan Reese because here's a a young guy that gets to go into the high schools, the public high schools. All he does is tell his story and preach the gospel, and I would say probably a good 97% of all the youth come forward and they give their life to christ afterwards we get to talk to them it's an amazing thing but there are some who would then criticize and you always wonder about that all i know is this man that you know we we don't like say well i won't you know take your criticism into consideration is there any truth to it we're not on that extreme but neither are we on this extreme you know you know, God's given him the gift of evangelism, given him a heart for the youth. I've seen him minister to them firsthand. It's such a great thing that God is doing. You know, and so what we have to make sure is that we're just not here to please man. We're here to please God, right? Sometimes there's this obsession. Do you, do you, have you guys learned now, have you guys learned by now that you can't please everybody? Some of you older people probably have, and maybe some of you younger people too, but you know, it's like you just can't please everybody. So if you try to, you won't please God. If you try to, you're going to die trying. Someone says, hey, Manny, well, they like strawberry, and they like vanilla, and they like chocolate. What do you like? Oh, I like Neapolitan. That's what I like. Because <laughs> <laughs> we try to, we, we can't do that, right? You know, Paul here says, listen, um, I, 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 for me, as far as, you know, you guys judging me, uh, that's a small thing. Notice what he says in verse three. In fact, I do not even judge myself for I know of nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Now, when Paul says he doesn't judge himself, uh, what he's basically saying is that at the end of the day, I'm not even 100% sure. I'll tell you what. You know, I'm checking my motives. I'm trying to make sure I'm doing the right thing for the right reason. I want to be consistent. I want to be faithful. I want to be that. But at the end of the day, you know what? God is the one who knows us, right? It all, it all kind of fits in the context here. they were elevating men. Oh, look at how great. Uh, apollos is i mean homeboy he's such a great speaker he knows the old testament so well he's a way better teacher than you know paul because this guy you know his letters are great but the way he speaks is contemptible and you know and but then there's peter and peter is one of the original guys and you know what i mean get we have to make sure that we are not focused on men because remember the best of men are men at best And that guy that you put up on a pedestal, you just never know. Maybe he was an apostle for the accolades. Maybe he was a pastor for the paycheck. Maybe there was something all along going on in his life in the darkness that one day, it says right here, it'll be revealed. And so we love men, we respect them, we honor them, but only God knows. You know, I don't know about you, but I've been let down by some pretty, you know, big Christians. And, you know, if you don't have your eyes on the Lord, it can make you stumble. What he's saying right here is, I mean, as far as I know, I check my motives. I'm trying to do the right thing. I don't know, you know, of anything against myself. But that's not the final word, he says in verse 4. I'm not justified by this. The one who judges me is the Lord. And so he says there... In verse 5, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the motives of the heart, and then each one's praise will come from God. And that's what we need to try to do, right? You know, we come back to this truth that ultimately we're not judged by men, we are judged by God, right? And so we have to make sure that we understand this whole concept of the bema seed of Christ and how God will judge one day our motives. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 2, in the NIV, it says, All a person's ways seem to be pure to them, but his motives are weighed by the Lord. And then in Psalm chapter 26 and verse 2, the Bible says, Put me on trial, Lord, and the NLT, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. And so why do you preach? You know, because you love to preach? Or do you love the people that you're preaching to? You know, are you doing it for the glory of God and the good of his people? You know, do you really care? You know, not just why did, you know, you hit the, the right note. That's good. But why did you hit the right note? everything comes down to motive and my prayer is that one day when we're there you guys and i don't know how it's gonna i don't know how it's gonna happen i don't know if it's gonna be some big coliseum and they're gonna have you right there in front of jesus and maybe you're gonna be on the big screen i don't know <laughs> maybe we're all gonna be able to see it i don't know but there's gonna be a day first john chapter 2 and verse 28 it says and now little children abide in him that when he appears you may have confidence before him and not be ashamed at his coming I have a feeling there's there's going to be some Christians who won't receive a full reward, like John talks about in 2 John 1.8, because they didn't understand that we're not the boss. We're servants. That, That we're not owners. We don't own anything. We're stewards. That it's not about being successful in the world's eyes. You know, we want that even for our kids, right? Hey, you know, go to an Ivy League school and make a lot of money, you know, and, and whatever, you know, you put on. No, I mean, I just want you to love Jesus. I want you to follow Jesus. Yeah, of course, you know, you need to stand on your own two feet and those types of things. But man, it's just honest, honest days work. No, but a lot of times I think we get the misconception. We well, need to be fabulous. I need to be famous. We need to be successful. No, you just need to be faithful. And that's what we measure. You no, know, One day we will stand before Jesus at the Bema seat judgment. Romans chapter 14, it, it talks about that. In verses 10 through 12, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, so then each of us shall give account of himself to God. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, In verse 10, the Bible says, For you must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And this is what God calls us to, you guys. You know, God calls us to be a servant, to consider others as servants of God. That's who we are. And as we understand that, along with the stewardship that we've received, then, okay, Lord, these are my marching orders. I'm going to go out and I'm going to live my life for you. I I thought it'd be cool to close in, in in the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. In Mark chapter 10, notice what we read in verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. We kind of pray like that, huh? (laughs) And he said to them, Well, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, "Um, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. And so they're looking, right, for that position. Uh, it's kind of a weird request, to be honest with you. But, but Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. Uh, they didn't really know. They didn't have a clue really what they were getting into, you know. But, um, you know, Jesus is actually asking them to count the cost right and and so jesus said to them well you will indeed drink the cup that i drink and with the baptism i am baptized with you will be baptized eventually we know james was martyred and and john was dipped in oil and you know you guys know his story but here's the thing in verse 40 but to sit on my right hand jesus says and on my left is not mine to give but is for those for whom it is prepared Right, and, and when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. And so, why do you think they were greatly displeased? Do you think it's because they were disappointed in the fact that how could they be, you know, looking for such a position, or do you think it's because they wanted it for themselves? <laughs> More than likely, they were thinking, "No, that's my spot." Right? You know, one of the things that I've learned in the last thirty years of being a Christian is that you just be faithful where God's placed you. You know, if you're scrubbing toilets, make those the cleanest toilets that, 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 that you know, that, I don't know, how do you say it, uh, that's ever found, I guess. I remember those days. I remember those days, mopping, uh, sweeping, vacuuming, scrubbing toilets with joy. I mean, that's all. And you know what happens when you're faithful? when you're faithful with whatever the responsibilities that you've been given, then God will raise you up. You won't have to promote yourself. God will do the work. Right here, he's saying, listen, my right hand, my left, bottom line is um, the father is the one that's going to take care of that. And they were all kind of consumed with that. But then Jesus called them to himself and he said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles They lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. And it's so cool when you really begin to understand the way that the kingdom of God is so completely diametrically different than the kingdom of men. You know, we think that the higher up, the more we can boss people around, the more that people will serve us. When in all reality, you know, the greater responsibility you're given in the kingdom of God, the more you are called to serve. You are called to sacrifice. You are called to pray more. You are called to fast more. You are called to go on hospital visits at, you know, midnight. I mean, there's no there's no such thing, and you can ask Pastor Joe, and I'm sure Tony, and the other guys, a day off, we, we try to guard our days, you know, with our family, but... I mean, to really have like a day off? I don't know if there's such a thing. And so what we find right here is that the more you want to serve, then the more of a servant you need to be. And he uses two Greek words, diakonos. Verse 43, You shall be not so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, diakonos. And then whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all and the greek word is the doulos where we get that word bond servant and so lord um that's my life isn't it i i want to i want to serve you know sometimes husbands think well when once i said i do then man she's going to be my servant no when you say i do you said i do dishes that's what you said <laughs> <laughs> I And mean, when you said i do you know, that means you work hard all day and you come home and you're ready to work some more, right? I mean, a lot of wives will tell you that, that, that one of the ways that they want their husbands to express love to them is by doing things around the house. Huh, ladies? Honeydews, is that what they're called? <laughs> all I know is that um, that's our calling as husbands to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, Right? And so all I know is that it's just it's just like that, you know And so jesus here is not asking us to do something that he himself did not do If only we could really let it sink in. Who am I? What am I? What's the consideration for him or them or me? we're servants We're hooperades, we're diakonos, we're doulos, we're servants. Moses, the servant of God, Joshua, the servant of God, Billy Graham, the servant of God, Chuck Smith, the servant of God. That's what we need to to know. That's what we, we gotta be. That's what we are. Every single day you wake up and you ask the Lord, okay, General, Captain, give us the marching orders. And then we go out and march because that's what jesus did verse 45 for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many i just trip out on this and the other day we were going through one of the psalms and it was really emphasizing the fact that you know here's god the high and holy one so high so holy and yet so humble huh amazing to me just think if we all caught the vision you know and I'll be honest man sometimes I you know I, I get home and I don't want to work and my wife saw hey, you got empty the trash I'm like why don't you do it sweetheart it's not that heavy or whatever you know <laughs> you know it was a long day you know you come in hey you know there's no gas in the car you know and I feel like for me I got to get gas because I'm the guy right And just, you know, things happen. Even today, you know, I was getting ready to walk out the door, and she's all, hey, I'm going to water the grass, and I need you to seed the lawn. I'm like, it's not a need, it's a want. It doesn't have to be green. It's just grass, you know. It's not that big (laughs) of a deal. But then the Lord just, he just catches you, and he says, no, it, it is really all about being a servant. And as you're living that life, you're living that life that Christ has lived, because that's what he did to save us, And I'm telling you guys, once we really capture that title, imagine, you know, you go home or whatever, you tell your parents that you're going to be helping out more or whatever the the case may be, then we're going to see God's going to begin to move in a great and mighty way because when Jesus came, man, he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And I think for most of you here, I I know that you're Christians, you love the Lord, you're saved, and one day you're going to get a big fat reward in heaven. I'm so grateful for that, right? Because you're going to be faithful, right? But man, just in case there's anyone here today who really has not given their life to Christ, I pray that you would know what Jesus did. He died for you on a cross. In one sense, you were kidnapped by the devil, And he paid the ransom because he shed his blood there on Calvary. You know, I remember uh, when I got saved back August 20th, 1989. I just just celebrated my 30-year birthday. And, uh, you know, there I was. I had been kind of grown up in religion, but I was as lost as a lizard. I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. And that day, that day that I prayed to receive Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior, the God of the universe, the God of the universe showed up. He came in and he began to live inside of me. He changed my life. He set me free. He gave me power. And maybe you're here tonight and you don't have that. Now, seriously, as a Christian, are you living in that power? There should be victorious Christian Living. There should be faithfulness. There should be consistency. Are we living that? If not, I, I believe that God is here to meet us. God is here to give us. You know, one person said the Christian life is simply a series of new beginnings. Maybe you're here tonight and your marriage is struggling, you know, and you feel like it's being held together by yarn or dental floss. Listen, it doesn't have to be that way maybe you're here tonight and you're struggling with pornography and if you were honest because they say about 70 percent of all men struggle with that i mean we will never be men of god victorious if we have a hidden life like that you know whatever it is whatever the weight is whatever the sin is i would just say that tonight you don't want to leave without settling those issues with Jesus. He's here to forgive you. He's here to bless you. He's here to save. He's here to empower. He's here to call you. Man, maybe you need to take a step of faith. You know, you have to ask God for those divine details and he'll give them to you. But I pray uh, that you guys would follow him. And Lord, I thank you for allowing us to come tonight and study your word Lord I, I I pray that uh, from this day forward it would just be even entrenched even deeper Lord that we're not the boss we're servants we're not